Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And a drive to right field for Richard. That is deep, far, and that ball is very gone. A three-run home run for Clayton Richard. Richard played football. We'll turn the clock back. September the 18th, 2004, playing for the University of Michigan. Left-hand quarterback looks, finds his man just outside of the pylon. Then he fires one over the middle, and that's complete, moving the ball nicely. So a very talented Young athlete. Cole at first and Josh Harrison. Have to wait, throw to first base, and he is picked off. Seventh pickoff of the year for Clayton Richard. How do you view the, uh, the challenge or, I guess, honor of being named the opening day starter? Oh, I feel like for 10 years I've told you it's just another game, and I can tell you how I really feel about it. <laughs> I'm just joking. A couple of current Padres were Cubs a year ago and got their world championship rings today. Clayton Richard, seven strikeouts for Clayton Richard. Richard checks the runner at second. The next one, Navarro, he struck him out on a changeup. Two strikeouts for Richard. 2-2, two, two, he struck him out. He's faced four batters. He struck out three of them. 3-2 pitch, he struck him out. He has five strikeouts as Richard. For hit and run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Well, how about that for an athletic career? In that montage produced by our guy Sean Anderson here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score, you heard Clayton Richard playing football with Vin Scully doing some play-by-play of a Michigan football game. And you heard Ed Farmer doing play-by-play of a White Sox game. You also heard the Padres um, at Wrigley in 2017 as Clayton Richard got a World Series ring. Quite an athletic life with tons of uh, Chicago significance for Clayton Richard, who joins us right now on Hit and Run. And Clayton Richard is on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Clayton, good morning. How you doing? Terrific. Good morning. I, I could hear that again if you want to play it again. That was pretty cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll send it to you, man. We'll send it to you. It's a nice opportunity that we get, and um, and good producers make the most of the opportunity. Um, so happy to send that along. Lafayette Jefferson is the high school in Indiana where Clayton Richard is now the quarterback coach. And are you the head varsity baseball coach as well, Clayton? I am. I, am. I just took that on uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, so... Wow. We have a full plate here. Yeah, that that that's tremendous. And that's not where you went to school. You went to McCutcheon in the same town. But, you know, here you are at, right. at, at, a, 
at what I must assume is a rival. Um, I didn't know this. Just to set the table for what kind of athlete um, you were uh, and why you were able to have the career that you had, you are the only person to win Indiana's Mr. Football and Mr. Baseball Awards as a senior in high school, 2002, 2003. That is remarkable. So, I mean, my God, what, what, what did that feel like? And, and do you think it was a benefit to be doing both sports at that high a level as you went on to end up having a pro baseball career? Was that a benefit to do them both? Without a doubt. And that's one of the first messages I send to the student athletes when I try to help them out or in my instance now coaching the varsity baseball is you're doing yourself a disservice if you're claiming to be focusing on one sport the whole year. It, it, it just doesn't make sense when you're given an opportunity to play multiple sports, grow as an athlete, grow as a, a competitor and a teammate and learn other skills that can help you moving forward. So that was one of my first messages to my team when I had our first meeting was, hey, you got to get out and play a fall sport. There's so many lessons and the strength conditioning components that will benefit you far greater than continuing with baseball in the middle of fall when, when you could far, be far better off playing something else. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool, and we just it, we talked about it a bunch with the MLB draft uh, over the past week or yes. so. That a, a lot of those guys have come out, and you're also saving bullets on your arm if you're a pitcher in that regard as 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 well along the way. Um, so when when you go to Michigan on on a football scholarship, I mean they're coming off a decade with Elvis Gerback and Todd Collins and Brian Greasy and some jamoke named Tom Brady. Um, and there's like a two-sport star in Drew Henson just before you. This is, what, did Chad Henney have a stranglehold on the job? Did you ever get a fair shake to be the Michigan starting quarterback, Clayton? I got I to gotta ask. Uh, I'm definitely biased towards myself in that, <laughs> in that matter. I, I, I wish I would have had a greater opportunity to play quarterback at Michigan. I, I mean, clearly I, I felt like, I was better than maybe the, the coaching staff viewed me, uh, but I, I felt as if I, I could have brought something to the team that others could not, and unfortunately I just did not get the, the chance on the field to prove it. Wow, yeah, you know, a, a, another life. But, boy, the baseball life, <laughs> so what do you got to do? The, the, the baseball life ended up being pretty damn good, right? I mean. It, no, and, it, it, it was. There, there's no regrets. I, I learned a lot. There was many valuable lessons that, that I picked up through that experience dealing with adversity. It was really the first time I, I did not get to play where I was on a team and did not get to be on the field. And so it, it was a, a real learning experience and opened my eyes and it just reaffirmed that I knew your work ethic would drive your success to, to some degree. And that's what you have control of. And I, it, it really it hit home to me like, Hey, if I'm, not going to get the chance to play somewhere. It's not going to be because I got outworked. I'm going to work as hard, if not harder than everyone I, I can, but I'm going to focus on me doing the best I can to be the best teammate and the best player physically and mentally possible. See, that's really interesting because I think about it a lot. Like so many of the pro athletes that we watch were the best guy on their high school team. Right. Um, and, 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 and then at some point they have to like, 
adapt and have the humility to do whatever, as you showed that humility and that resiliency throughout your baseball career. And the fact you got that message from a football perspective, but it really is the same message, isn't it? It's the same message to control what you can and be ready to help in whatever way you can. Without a doubt. And it's so difficult, especially in baseball, because baseball, it's a sport full of failures. And to understand that sometimes you can hit the ball if you're up to bat, you hit the ball as hard as physically possible, and you still get out. There's other times where you get beat by a pitcher and you get on base. You get rewarded for not doing your job. And you have to kind of understand that sometimes, most of the time, the process is what we can control. And you want to make that process as beneficial to yourself and your teammates as possible. And that's what we need to focus on. And sometimes that's really difficult to, to be able to, to lock it in, to focus on those as opposed to the outcome. Talking to Clayton Richard here on Hit and Run, when, when you were a baseball um, player at Michigan, teammate of Chris Getz, did, did you look over at yes. that guy and say, now that is a future development executive right there. That, that, guy, that, that, that guy is a suit. He's going to be a hell of a suit in about uh, 30 years. No, I, I, and it's nothing to him. It's more so my lack of insight into the sporting world. I, he was a very talented baseball player, and that's what I saw. And he was intelligent. He's always been intelligent and had such a, a good feel for the game of baseball. And he, man, he, he's, he's really good at what he does now. He, he's locked in. He cares about the, the baseball players in his organization. He, he treats his, his staff the right way. Everything he does is first class. And it's, it's definitely not by mistake that he's moving his way up quick through the baseball ranks. So, so last year when you made a, a spirited comeback where you worked with driveline, some incredible articles out there about everything that you were trying to do. And you end up with the white Sox on a minor league deal in 2020 was your old teammate, Chris mm-hmm. Getz on the other side of the table at any point along the way. He was, he was, it was, it was, Interesting how quickly the landscape changes in, in athletics to where we were teammates, and then he's essentially the guy trying to figure out if I'm worth hiring. <laughs> and yeah. and it, it, I mean, but it, it was really neat experience. I, I, I had the opportunity to, to speak with him a few times in and around the baseball field about what direction they were going in and, and the, the talented players they had. So it, it was a, a very cool experience i'm I'm glad i I got to be a part of that for that short little time yeah i want to ask you about a bunch of different things in your career but let's stay there for a minute so last year you were at the Mm -hmm. alternate site for a while right so you i mean you're seeing you're seeing garrett crochet come in throwing 100 miles an hour with a (laughs) with with a vicious slider yeah Um, well yeah my my first day i get there and i run into chris as we're walking in you go into the covid testing goes hey um scrimmage i'd like you to stay around i want you to see this guy i kind of want to get your thoughts on him i was like all right so i was anticipating someone that's kind of a fringe guy and they're trying to figure out what to do and so i wait around and this big big kid comes out to throw my man he, he passed the eye test and then i watched his first warm-up i was like holy cow that looked like it was a million miles an hour he stepped it looked like he stepped into the grass off the rubber. He, he tried it, and then he, 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 and then the first three, I think he faced three guys. He probably struck them all out. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, the guys had absolutely – and it, it, this is high-level competition he's facing. It's not high school kids. They're 
professional athletes. Some are big league rehab guys. Other guys are AAA slash big league guys that are talented players. And he just, he dominated. And I looked at Chris. I said, Chris, what what did you want me to tell you? <laughs> or are you just showing off? <laughs> so... Yeah, so I, I don't know if he was trying to make me feel bad or, but it, hey, I was, I was wondering. So I was like, I was like, what is this? Is this competition? This isn't fair. It's, it's, it's twenty one. Yeah, like, throwing what, like that. What, yeah, he's throwing a hundred and two, and he's got a slider that looks like he's gonna throw it. It's good. It's gonna go to the dugout. It looks like it starts off, and then the hitters have no chance. Oh God! So I, I, yeah, I hope, physically I hope, impressed. Hope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hope he wasn't trying to make you realize some difficult truths at that, at that moment. That wouldn't that, that wouldn't be a way to do it. Thanks for coming, but you got you got a lot to show us. <laughs> um, but you know, th- this White Sox team is so fun, and you saw some of those guys. I Man, Andrew Vaughn was there. Jake Berger yeah, uh, yeah. W- w- was yeah. there. Uh, you know, what did, did you realize that there were some real good young players that could probably help that team sooner rather than later as you were there? Without a doubt. And for, I was fortunate enough to play on that USA baseball team a couple years ago with Vaughn and got to see him a little bit earlier. And he, my goodness, it is amazing to see someone so disciplined at that age and with essentially a lack of professional experience to have that plate discipline and approach. It's just phenomenal. And then Berger came in a little bit later and he was really impressive just everyone that was there, it, it was it was ran the right way from the, the staff perspective and really the, the athletes that were on the field were were really impressive. So it was, a, it was a great experience for me to be a part of, and now it's a lot of fun to watch them on the big league stage doing their thing. Clayton Richard was a big topic of conversation. My first year as a midday co-host at The Score in 2009 with Dan McNeil, you're making 14 starts for the White Sox that year uh, after moving your way through the system. Um, and what's it like being a young player and being part of a big trade at the deadline? We're talking about trade possibilities for White Sox and Cubs. Yeah. 31st of July, it's you and Aaron Pareda as really the headliners of the Jake Peavy trade. Mm-hmm. Was that a shock? Do you get mad? Do you get sad? I mean, what, what, What's that like for a young ball player? At that point, I was pretty sad i had made it up with the white Sox. i had finally found my footing i had done well scuffled done well type deal and then i I finally felt like i was starting to figure it out i was comfortable with in the clubhouse environment more comfortable with the travel and just the big league lifestyle and about a month earlier it was rumored that i had been traded and it was like a strong enough rumor where like you got to the field and people kind of looked at you differently <laughs> and th- that fell through at that point. I, I think it was declined by the player. And then, so I was like, oh, I'm going to be here forever is what I thought. And then sure enough, that next month it was, it was getting ready for a start against the Yankees who had, I, I grew up kind of watching and, and idolizing and was super excited. Fan was coming up and, Kenny and Ozzy called me in the office just a couple hours before the game and let me know that I'd been traded to San Diego. So it was, it's a whirlwind situation that happens quick. And then you're out in San Diego before you know it. Yeah. And and you got to adjust and, and to your credit, big time adjustments, man, 2010, 14 and nine with a three, seven, five ERA and 200 innings. That is a serious mm-hmm. 
season in, in the bigs. Um, a 2012 pitcher of the year for the Padres. But it's interesting, man, in doing the research this morning, I, I had forgotten kind of that the run included some, some real highs like that. I hope you were able to feel them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, did it feel satisfying? Baseball, as you said, tricky game with so much failure. I hope you felt the satisfaction of, of having some real good years there. I, I wish I felt that more than I felt the, the defeats. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know if it's how I'm wired where I see all the areas for improvement. And those those things stick to me more so than things that I do well, I think. And it, I think it's driven me to a higher level of success than than some others. But then also, like you said, it, sometimes I don't get to see all the, the great things that have happened. But I have no regrets through that. I, I was very fortunate to have that, that part of my career. And it, it was a lot of fun. A lot of the teammates, um, I had a un- unique experience through San Diego being hurt that I missed about a year, year and a half in the middle of my career where it was really questionable whether or not I was going to be able to throw again. And having that experience really helped me with the next four or five years because I I knew that, man, this game comes and it's a lot of fun, but snap of a finger, you could be done for forever. And so Mm -hmm. having had that injury to where I didn't think I was going to throw and then be able to come back and, enjoy the teammates, enjoy the coaches, enjoy the atmospheres. I, I was very, very happy to have those last four or five years where I enjoyed it a little bit more. Well, as, as the wisdom and the, uh, the self-awareness comes, maybe you can enjoy it a little bit more. That's, it, that's good. And, you know, when you got here, I mean, after that year and a half that you're talking about, I think eventually traded to the Cubs for cash. I guess there's a couple ways to mm-hmm. take that when you get traded for cash. Like, on one hand, players well, see yeah. more value. If it was a lot of cash, yeah. If it but, was a lot of cash, I think you'd feel good about it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like, money's good. I like cash, you know? It's like, I, I, but, um, but, but you get here, and you transition to the bullpen, and you and Trevor Cahill were major stories for that 2015 Cubs team. It was really mm-hmm. fun to watch and it was like oh man look at joe madden being creative look at these cubs figuring it out was that fun for you to be a bullpen killer there for a while in 2015 especially it was fun to win i think that was the the fun part having been removed from that for so long i think 2010 was the last winning team i had been on and so struggling with the padres for a few years getting hurt being in spring training with the pirates and then triple a and then I was like, oh, man, I'm on a winning team that's having a lot of fun through the, the process of it. And it was it was such a blast. So, like, it didn't really matter what the role was, just being a part of a team that's winning and knows where they're going and, and how they're going to go about it. It was mm. a tremendous amount of fun. And, and speaking of Trevor, I, he's one of the top – he might be one of the top teammates I've ever had, just getting it on all levels a tremendously hard worker it, it was so much fun to be around that's really cool how, how was playing for madden and uh did you have the feeling that that team could be special you were here for part of 2016 obviously but like mm-hmm. did, did, did we certainly were watching and we felt man these guys might be next this is gonna happen here did you have that feeling at all oh without uh, there was ample talent and then the culture was really terrific everyone was there was one vision. There was a collective vision to get it done. And sometimes that's hard to accomplish at the big league level because everyone's made a lot of money. They, 
a lot of guys just want to get theirs. They they want to get their hit, their RBI, or their homer, or get their innings pitched, or whatever it may be. But this team was cool because it had that collective vision of hey, we want to we want to have a trophy. We want we want something bigger than the individual. We want our collective goal to be the same and, and win a championship. And when you ha- align the talent with the preparation and with that vision and, and the willingness to work towards that vision, it, it's going to equal something good. And it did. And the guys there that, that were able to, to stay there and hang through it, it was well-deserved. I, I couldn't have been happier for a group of people uh, winning the championship. That's awesome. But where's the ring? Where's the ring? You got one. They gave you one in 2017 when you came I, back I as do. a member of the Padres. I do. Yes, yeah. I do. It, it's in my office, sitting on sitting on the shelf. I, I wish I would have done performed at a little bit higher level in 2016 to, to stick around and be a part of it. So I, I don't feel as if it's my ring necessarily. I, I didn't do quite enough to, to wear it around town. But I, I, mm. I am very proud to have been part of the organization through those years where we turned a corner there. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you were a big part of stuff for 2015. And, and as they were learning to win, you were a big part of that. And 2016, wear that ring, man. Go ahead. You got, you, you could, <laughs> I, I, I would urge you. I would urge you. I, I don't know you, Trevor. We know each other 20 minutes, but this is me telling you to – I'm calling you Trevor like I'm an idiot, like I'm talking That's to Kale. Right. I, I understand, you I understand what head. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got him in my head. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, put that even just to, even just to show off for the kids. Like if those if those baseball players don't give you proper respect one day, you'd show up with the ring, right? No, I'll just put it on, all right. I'll put it in my back pocket. I get a little lip, or someone's not quite falling in line. Sit. <laughs> Put it on, cross my hand, make sure it's it's visible in front. Maybe I do have a team meeting Monday, so maybe that should be out front and visible. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And and you don't even have to bring it up like it's a thing. Just, you know, no big deal. It's just another day in Clayton Richards' life wearing a $40,000 ring or whatever those things are worth. Just, just wave it around. Talk, speak with my hands a little bit more than I usually do. Put, put them up front. Maybe <laughs> – for my team meeting, I have a little podium. That way I could set it kind of on the edge in front of them so what they see first yeah. is the, the bling out in front. How about, how about you know, put it on the left hand and show pitch grips, you know? Just like, all right, here you go. This is, this is how you throw a curve. This is how you throw a change up and watch them just staring oh, at the so, ring. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't adequately show you a slider. This big ring is in the way. Let me move it to my right hand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, Clayton, what a pleasure, man. Nice to get to know you a little bit. Let's talk again sometime, and uh, good uh, luck at, at sure. Lafayette Jefferson. All right? Thank you. We're excited. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for doing it. That's Clayton Richard, um, the uh, pitching coach – or no, sorry, the quarterback coach at Lafayette Jefferson and the head varsity baseball coach. I think you should absolutely wear the ring and show off some pitch grips. <laughs> That was really fun. Good job, Sean Anderson, finding that man and talking to that man and uh, getting him on. I enjoyed that greatly. Can I give um, a quick shout-out? Please. So I got a call yesterday, and we were, we were kind of struggling because people were saying no uh, to coming on on the show today. A lot of people are busy. And uh, I got a call from uh, one of our, our listeners. I think he's a P1, uh, Mark Grody's buddy, Wayne from Lafayette. And he was, okay. like, he was like, hey, buddy, uh, Clayton Richard's down here. Uh, he's now the uh, – 
you know, coach of Lafayette Jefferson. We're really excited about him. I was like, okay, well, what's Clayton Richard up to? So shout out to Wayne for booking uh, Clayton Richard, basically. Uh, you know, it, but that was that was great. It's a long, interesting life in baseball, and uh, with Cubs and Sox ties both, and. You know, he's playing quarterback after Tom Brady at Michigan. It's un- unbelievable. So I, don't, I just feel like we just scratched the surface. There are stories that we got to get out of him next time, I am, uh, I am sure. But that was great fun. Um, Tony LaRussa in Focus, a terrific article in The Athletic, really giving full context on the year and where things stand. We'll talk to the writer of that, Andrew Mc- or Andy McCullough. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. These guys inspire me, so I mean, I'm not, I'm not lacking for energy because they pump me up. So, don't need to break. They need to break. I don't need to break. So I'm ready to go. That is Tony Larusa talking about the All Star break. I don't need the break. Maybe they need the break. I'm ready to go. We had uh, lots of fair questions about what Tony Larusa's season was going to look like, and some of those questions involved his energy level. His, um, his passion level, his attention to detail, um, his humility, you know, his ability to uh, be, as I used to say, the coattail rider on the culture here in this clubhouse that already existed very strongly before he got here. Tony has answered just about all those questions by now. Lots of bumpy times in the first few months, but at this point, things going well. Players, all of them, including some you wondered about, Tim Anderson and others, saying very good things about Tony. Those, those relationships seem to be in a good place. And, oh, by the way, the team doing awfully, awfully well. It is Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel, your host. And Andy McCullough, longtime baseball human, Kansas City star, L.A. Times, now The Athletic, because that's the law. You must go to The Athletic at some point. Eventually, if you are a skilled baseball writer and Andy McCullough is there and joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Andy? Thank you for the time this morning. How are you? Hey, anytime, Matt. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm good, man. I loved this uh, line in your La Russa, uh, article. The bygone archetype that he is, the divisive and decorated skipper, the bygone archetype. Um, tell me some of the guys you're thinking about who have been that archetype through the years, Andy. Yeah, I mean, it's like the, uh, you know, the Billy Martin, the, you know, the Earl Weaver, Sparky Anderson type figure, you know, like Larusa is a throwback to the days where, the manager was the most famous member of the club, right? Like, you know, he was the, 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 you know, this team plays the way like, you know, Tommy Lasorda says they play, which was never really true, but you know, like really like the last guys of that generation were sort of Larusa, you know, Mike Sosha, Buck Showalter, um, you know, so yeah, he's, he's uh, like, he's really a, a, a guy who made his career playing, you know, managing during a different era in baseball. Yeah, and, and, and what you're talking about is a guy 
who is willing to be disliked um, and often just kind of uses that like everything else as a way to unify the team. And you end up wondering if it is all by design, if it is some master plan, or if they just kind of get away with that (laughs) because the team is good (laughs) and the culture is good and maybe they're jerks sometimes, you know, and all those guys that you mentioned, like we've, we've had that. So, you know, after talking to some of these players that you've talked to here, it, it, do you think this has been by design for Tony? Lance Lynn says so flat out. He says in your article, Tony's got this master plan. I learned it a long time ago. If everybody's pulling in the same direction, they'll play better on the field. If that direction is you're all mad at Tony, then that works well for him too. And he doesn't care as long as you win. So do we have to credit the design or is some of it also happenstance along the way? I think it's, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think, you know, Lance Lynn's opinion isn't universal, but I do think his perspective is unique as a guy who, like, was a rookie in 2011 with St. Louis and, you know, had that experience. And so, I, you know, I thought his perspective was helpful. Yeah, I mean, it, you talked, you know, I spent a week with the White Sox uh, earlier this month and tried to talk to as many folks as I could and, you know, uh, just about, like, how things were going with Tony La Russa. And, you know, it's not like a... Like, obviously, as you know, someone who's been following this season, it hasn't been all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. There's been more than a few, uh, you know, uh, conflicts or kerfuffles or whatever. But, like, when you're eight games up in the division, when you're the overwhelming favorite to, you know, be back in the postseason representing the Central, which in a way, you know, makes you the like kind of the favorites to win the World Series because you're the most likely team to, you know, win your division. Like, uh, things are good. And I think a lot of that credit is to the players. But I also think, you know, La Russa deserves credit for, like, not upsetting the apple cart, for, you know, allowing Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu to, you know, basically continue to command the room, to, you know, working to have, like, good relationships with guys like Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. So, I, you know, I look, like, to say it's a master plan, uh, you know, that's Lance Lynn's opinion. I think it's, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Mm. Uh, he he has indeed been a coattail rider on the culture in that way that you talked about. Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu, super strong personalities and in different ways, absolutely set the tone and run the room. They did last year anyway uh, and the year before. Um, and I, I loved this. Like, I mean, all the new guys that they brought up, everybody's been useful, whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's vets like Brian Goodwin or. Or, or, or guys like Billy Hamilton, or whether it's kids now like Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets, and and what's been the key to that? What has been the key to Tim Anderson's role in that? Do you think? Well, you know, Liam Hendricks, you know, kind of summed it up in an interesting way. He said like, with the first two things that happen to guys when they come into the room, they get made fun of, and then they get uplifted, and so they're sort of like you know incorporated into uh, you know the, the 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 fabric of the clubhouse pretty quickly, and that you know everyone's kind of an equal, but you know, and that cuts both ways where, you know, they're going to make fun of Hendrix's sneakers and they're also, you know, going to pick him up if he ever blows a save, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, again, that's, that's Anderson and Abreu and that's something that had been established, you know, beforehand. And I think in some ways I tried to get this across in the, in the piece, but, you know, like LaRusse is kind of grafted onto a really good situation, right? Like you're playing, yep. first of all, like you have a ton of talent on the team. You have a good farm system that has been building for a long time. And so there's lots of guys, you know, coming and you're in frankly, like kind of a weak division. So it's, it's a good um, system. And I think Larusa, you know, deserves credit for like not messing with that and being like, you know, he's just like, he, for all of the, uh, I think totally fair, 
concerns and you know worries and frankly just criticisms of him being hired he is a very intelligent man and understands like i i never thought that he would come in and like mess with the clubhouse chemistry you know he would like uh mess with the the, the, the sort of way that the room is going i thought the things that like what would happen um, you know, with Jeremy Mercedes were probably going to happen. But, like, the idea of, like, him publicly, like, getting into a row with, like, Tim Anderson or something like that, like, that that never seemed to me like something that was going to happen because I think Larusa can under, can read the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. And that's why the one moment with Jermaine Mercedes, that felt like, oh, my God, he can't read the room. And, oh, yeah. my God, he he does want it to be about him more than anything else, that his rules are more important than the state of the game and the way that people feel. Um, and, and that was one moment was like, oh, my God, he might cost these guys. He might totally. damage these things. But then all the players rallied together. And he, even though he doubled down on it the next day, he ended mm-hmm. up he ended up letting it slide. I mean, I, I wonder what he did, you know, and, and I've, I've been here every day looking at it. I guess he did continue to support your mean and try to put your mean out there and believe in him. And then your mean failed. And he had nice things to say about your mean on his on his way back to uh, to triple A even. So so maybe right. he played played the back half of that really well in terms of that not blowing up as big as it could have. Yeah, I feel like the the one the one part of it with Mercedes that I never understood was why he thought it was okay that uh, the twins threw at him. That to me seemed like, well, I mean, this is you know you should probably defend your guy there, and that was like CC Sabathia's main one of his main criticisms. You know, when he he had a pretty uh, viral rant about uh, Larusa, but like, you know, I talked to a bunch of guys uh, about that incident. Um, you know, and Tim Anderson said like, you know, look, like just because Tony and I disagree on certain things, that doesn't mean that you know we can't like work together towards the same shared goal. You know, like you, you know, like you have people you work with who maybe you don't disagree with. Does that you know make it impossible to do your job? No. And you know, he supported your mean in a variety of different ways, whether it's on social media or you know just saying it to the media. And he also told. LaRusa, he said to me that, you know, like, we're going to keep playing this way and, like, we're not going to change who we are, you know, based on these sort of, like, bygone principles. And, yeah. and you know, like, several months later, like, do I think it was by, you know, like, Lane Flynn and, and a couple other people, especially the people, like, outside the organization who know LaRusa said, like, oh, Tony was doing this, you know, to get the heat off Mercedes. Like, I don't think it would have no. been a huge deal. You know, I think, I think he probably just kind of overreacted to the take sign not being – um, you know, heated, but, uh, so to, pre- to present it as like, you know, kind of, uh, again, part of the master plan, I think that's giving a little too much credit, but I think handling it after those first couple days, you know, they kind of didn't, uh, you know, didn't make a meal out of it as it were. Yeah. This is a really balanced and fair piece, Andy. And it's, and, and it's a difficult one to, to have, to bring all of that too. Um, so I, I appreciate that you did that. Some of the stuff in here about like Tony having little tests, with his young players, something he used to do in yeah. St. Louis. I don't know how much he's doing that now, but that's that that's that, that's interesting in terms of like, you know, like just asking guys, hey, what pitch did he just throw? Or you know, hey, what would you do in this moment? That kind of stuff. That 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 can breed that can breed a culture of of people knowing they better be paying attention. So they try they really try and win and do everything they have to do. For sure. And so I talked to a bunch of guys who, you know, he played for in St. Louis. Like, basically, I asked a bunch of guys, like, what was it like being 
a young player for Tony LaRusso. And so it's guys like Skip Schumacher and John Jay and Daniel Descalso and, you know, kind of telling stories about like being in spring training and Tony, you know, like kind of having little, as you said, tests, you know, to like, are you paying attention? Are you ready to pinch it right now when your spot may be coming up? And, you know, some folks around the Sox said he's done that with younger guys. But I also thought it was interesting. You know, I asked Tim Anderson about it, and he was like, no, he hasn't done that to me. But I've seen him do it to other guys. And it's like, yeah, Larusa didn't do that to Albert Pujols, right? Like, you know, he, he has always understood that certain players get different treatment. Star players, you know, are treated the same as the 25th, 26th guy on the roster. And so, it, you know, but you want – those guys on the at the back end of the roster ready to perform in the way that you know you need them to to be ready to win and so I, th- I thought that was an interesting little nuance that you know Tim yeah. said something effective like yeah he hasn't done that to me yeah uh, all right um three things I got to ask before I, I let Andy McCullough move on with his life and his day um number one this is the big unanswerable of course but it's a pretty damn great situation um how many of the managerial candidates who were available uh, in this offseason and did not get interviews, um, how many of them might have stepped in and done exactly this caliber of job so far? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you know, I think uh, probably a lot of people could have been a good manager for the White Sox in 2021. I think that's yeah. uh, a reasonable uh, assertion. Yeah. Assertion. That's not a word. Assertion. Man, I need uh, to clean add, it up. Just add some syllables, man. You, you, have, you have free reign. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah no I I think I think a lot of people could but you know let, let let's see what let's see what happens let's see I, I say the clubhouse is in a really healthy place and if he makes some great moves uh, in September although that probably doesn't seem like it's going to matter that much in October and November right. then um then then that credit will be there all right you mentioned you spent like a week with the team did that did that feel like it used to like, what's the level of access slash interaction? Do you feel like, and this is just kind of a media dork question. Uh Did you, did you get as much out of this process and writing this feature as you might've two years ago or three years ago? I, I feel like um, two years ago doing a story like this, I probably could have gotten to about like 80% of what I wanted. Cause you never can get like, guys to just be completely open with, you know, you know, especially if you don't really know them that well. And I only have, you know, so many relationships with guys in the White Sox. I probably could have gotten to like 70% or 80 uh, of where I wanted it to be. And I feel like this is closer to like 50. Um, mm. You know, like the, the White Sox PR was very helpful in terms of like getting guys, um, you know, and, and LaRusso took time to, you know, talk to me on multiple occasions. And I appreciated that. It's just, it's a little different though. I mean, like I miss the clubhouse. I think the clubhouse is really vital for what we do um, yeah. from a media perspective. I have a lot of concerns about us ever getting it back. Um, and I think the public really loses out uh, when we don't have access. Not that like anyone from the public will ever take our side in that, uh, in that debate. We will always lose that debate, but um, yeah, I would, I, I you know, it's better. It's certainly better than it was last year. You know, it's good to talk to guys face to face, but it's still it's not the same. It's just it's just a little more challenging. It's interesting that you don't feel the public would have your back in that way, because, you know, when we bring it up or, or I talk about it, I do get the sense that and maybe it's because I interact with hardcore baseball fans more often. But it's like I do get the sense that people understand the value there and the access that baseball has always provided and what makes it special because of the, the volume of games, you know, and the volume of sound that's possible and, and nuance there. I, I, I think the public might have might have your back more than you think on that, Andy. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I, I hope you're right. Uh, I hope you're right. I just, I know that whenever there is an issue, you know, and maybe this is the problem just for spending too much time on Twitter.com, but I just know whenever there's a, an access related issue, you know, whether it's a player not talking to the media or, you know, reporters sort of griping about access, um, you know, there are folks who are very quick to remind us that they prefer the players to the media in terms of who's cooler, uh, you know, which like I get, it's just like, Guys, like they're not your friends. In fact, they probably don't even like you. Um, but whatever, it's it's oh, all boy. good. <laughs> well, here's here, here's what I, here's what the the perspective that I think you really should worry about it. And maybe you have as well is that in a collective bargaining agreement, if that's something that's important to the players, I could see the owner saying, you know, we're going to take care of you with that. We're gonna yeah. we're we're gonna go <laughs> ahead and give that one to you. While over here, pay no attention to this thing over here where we're going to absolutely screw you as a as a collective. Right. But we'll give you that that access. You know, so. it's certainly it's certainly a bargaining chip, but uh, the players have a lot bigger wants, I think, in this upcoming CBA than getting rid of us in the clubhouse. They, they have bigger fish to fry, so we'll yeah. see. Um, and then, have you played poker at a table with humans that you do not know yet, post-pandemic yes. or mid-pandemic? Have you, have you done it yet? Not mid-pandemic, but post-vaccine, post. I have played... Uh, yeah, post-vaccine, I have played live a handful of times. I actually... I played at the Horseshoe in Hammond about like a month or so ago. Uh, I was playing uh, the great game of Potlim in Omaha. And uh, I am thinking of quitting my job, moving to the Midwest and turning pro. Uh, I'll put it, I'll put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, oh, good for you. That is, that's the best poker room in town by a mile. Uh And that, that game is live, my friend. Oh yes. I would say after, after years of getting my head kicked in by pros in the five, five games in Los Angeles, I think I'm going to become a, like a one, two PLO live game pro and make, you know, $500,000 a year, just showing guys the nuts three times a day, Uh, Uh, you know, and and you're getting it all. Yeah. Well, yeah. You stay at seat three or so I'll go to seat seven so we don't get in each other's way too much, but I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Yeah. Um, have you thank you, Andy McCullough. Have you? Oh, sorry, no, I, you know what? I haven't. Um, I haven't. But like the home game that I usually play is back now. Uh, is back mm-hmm. now in person. It was online for mm-hmm. a year and a half. It's back now in person. So I'm debating this week. I might. I might do it yeah. this week. Yeah, so. it's it's good. It's been. I, I missed it uh, a lot during the pandemic. So I've been trying to get out when I can. There you go. Uh, all right, Andy. Great stuff. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing it. Nice to talk to you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You got it. It's Andy McCullough from the Athletic, right here on six seventy. The score. We'll come back, wrap this up, get you ready for the day in baseball, and hand it off next on Hit and Run on the Score. Well, compete for daily cash prizes with as few as ten picks with MLB Rally, presented by BetMGM. You can download MLB Rally app now. Restrictions apply. See official rules at MLB.com/rally. It's a big skirt. Of that statue out there. Frank, big herd. That was interesting. Adam Amin, AJ Prezinski, shot of the Frank Thomas statue. AJ calls him Big Skirt. What's up, Big Skirt? Big Skirt, he said. And then Frank, big hurt, corrected himself. So is that a misspeak or a willing jab? Frank, not a big fan. Of, of that nickname historically. 
goodness. Um, White Sox and Astros at around 110 on the south side. Rodon and Framber Valdez. Cubs and Diamondbacks at around 310. Pre-game a little after 2.30 right here on the score. That is Zach Davies going for the Cubs. By the way, I'm back on Friday doing pre-game, post-game, and the fifth inning of play-by-play for the Cubs broadcast along with Ron Coomer and Zach Zaidman on Friday. Looking forward to it tremendously. Um, Thank you to Sean Anderson for a great job. Thank you to Clayton Richard, who was really fun at the top of this hour, and to Andy McCullough from The Athletic, who was also fun at around 11.30 or so. Uh, Tomorrow, it will be me and Chris Ranji on the Parkinson Spiegel Show from 2 to 6. Check that out. Tanny will be back from Parts Unknown. Actually, we did know them, but he'll be back anyway. And uh, coming up now, it is CBS Sports Radio. Have a wonderful and beautiful Sunday, everybody. Enjoy the baseball later on today. Cubs pregame a little bit after 2.30, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks for listening to me, Matt Spiegel, on Hit and Run. It's a big skirt. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.